Welcome to Respect Life Radio. My name is Deacon Jeff Bennett with Catholic Charities of the Archdiocese of Denver. And remember, you can listen to all of our shows at respectliferadio.com. Today, our guest is David Clausen. He is the director for the Center for Biblical Worldview at the Family Research Council. Uh, David, thanks for joining us today. Hey, Deacon. It is a joy to be on the show. Thanks for having me. Well, when I saw your title, I thought, wow, how could it, it couldn't be any more appropriate? Uh, and I know you said it, it started back in May, but, you know, it is, isn't it really easy to lose our biblical perspective in a world that just seems to have gone crazy? Oh, it absolutely is. Um, and, you know, Family Research Council, where I work, we've been around uh, since 1983. And uh, we've always cared about coming alongside parents and pastors and churches and parishes to try to help them think biblically. Uh, but since 1983, it's gotten a lot worse. You know, we have Hollywood against us. We have the media against us. We have the academy against us. And that's why our president, Tony Perkins, uh, last May uh, said we need to even double down even further on producing resources, videos, print material. Uh, for pastors and churches to help them think more biblically about all the things that were going uh, that are going around us, and so uh, you know, happy New Year to you, Deacon, and we're we're excited to just continue what we started last year, continue it on into the new year. Well, and happy New Year to you, and and I really appreciate all the great work you guys are doing because we need to be reminded on a regular basis this is all about Jesus Christ. Nothing here should be shocking. He's He's given us the playbook. We have it in the scriptures. Uh, he's told us what to look out for, the problems. He gives us everything we need. Yet somehow, some way, we can really find ourselves sidetracked by a media, right, that suppresses any kind of contrarian views. I actually, I, I, and I don't know if you've seen this, but from Boston University, I saw this right before Christmas, and I thought, all right, I got to ask David about this or just bring it up because... And the minute I think things have gotten as crazy as they can. So Boston University is requiring all students and faculty to affirm that they should intervene if a woman is complimented on her husband or encouraged to have children. Oh, well, I hadn't seen that, but I'll admit <laughs> I'm not terribly surprised. Yeah. Um, you know. Well, you know, one of the things that I do, Deacon, is uh, talk a lot about uh, Christian sexual ethics. Uh, you know, what, what does the Bible say is God's design for marriage, for human sexuality? And a couple of years ago, even maybe before the Obergefell decision, you know, you know, CNN and Fox News, they would at least have debates on marriage policy. We're not even having those debates anymore. Um, you know, the, the idea that marriage is reserved between one man and one woman, if you actually believe that today, you're not just seen as outdated or a little bigoted, you're seen as subversive. You're seen as uh, dangerous. Now they don't. This is. It's not even. They don't even want to have the debate anymore. And, and yet, those of us who are Christians, you know, th this is not subversive or bigoted or uh, mean spirited. Uh, this is what the scriptures have taught, uh, and what the church, uh, Catholic, Protestant, Orthodox, have believed for two thousand years. And so the. But the incident you just mentioned in Boston, you know, this whole idea that men and women are equal essence. Uh, you know, the whole complementarian ethic, I, no surprise that, the, you know, the, the woke progressives in Boston would find that inherently problematic. Well, you're right, right? I mean, this is the only time in the history of the world right, where not only a culture, but a world 
has decided that, you know, marriage isn't between a man and a woman. It can be two people, the same sex. Now we have like polyamory, right? So you can have multiple people. I mean, we think we're so well-educated yet we are, we are, have lost our minds when it comes to the realization and the importance of marriage and the strengthening of marriage, because as we see in the world, right, if, if marriages suffer, divorce, you know, all these things that are going on, it, it, it affects everything, doesn't it? It does. And that's why, you know, policies are really important. Elections, campaigns, all of that really matters. And that's, you know, why I got into uh, what I do. Uh, but what's even more fundamental uh, than policies, campaigns, elections is worldview. And I think that's, you know, uh, if I've already used that term a couple of times, but the worldview simply is the lens through which you see the world. And everybody has a worldview. Everyone has that fundamental perspective uh, that they kind of filter all of life through. Uh, and one one thing I do, Deacon, is um, some of the writings I've done at FRC, I, I make the argument that every philosophy of life, every worldview, every religion has to answer four basic questions. Uh, number one, why is there something rather than nothing? Uh, number two, what's gone wrong in the world? Number three, is there any hope? And number four, where's all this headed? Every worldview has to have an answer to those questions. In Christianity, uh, the Bible answers all four of those questions. Why is there something something rather than nothing? Well, the doctrine of creation. What's gone wrong in the world? Well, that's Genesis 3, the fall. Is there any hope? Number Question number three? Absolutely. That's, uh, hope has a name, Jesus Christ, the, the gospel, uh, that we can be reconciled with the holy God if we repent of our sins and turn in faith. And the, that fourth question, where is all this headed? Well, ultimately, it's headed to a new heavens and a new earth. And that, you know that's basic biblical worldview. Um, no surprise that uh, most of secular society is far gone from that perspective. But increasingly, even those who would call themselves professing Christians don't understand those basic questions. And that's one of the reasons we have the Center for Biblical Worldview, is to remind pastors and to remind churches and Christian parents why they have to take this job of discipleship very seriously. So you have some stats, too. I know we were talking before we got on air that you've, you know, you've done some surveys with, with uh, people who profess to be Christian and that kind of thing. What is their worldview? Are they optimistic? Are they pessimistic? Where are they on the range of hope? Yeah, great question. So the one, the one big survey we did last May when we launched the center was measuring people's worldview. And a lot of you know a lot of polls ask people you know uh, you know what their worldview is, but they don't actually measure it. So we asked one question: you know, Do you think you have a biblical worldview? And actually, fifty-one percent of Americans thought they had a biblical worldview. Um, but then when you serve it, you ask, we ask questions based on belief and behavior, uh, several questions on belief and behavior. And when you filter all that, uh, you get 6% of Americans who actually have a biblical worldview. So 51% of Americans think they have a biblical worldview. Only 6% actually do. When you go into the church, uh, 81% think they have a bit. These are people who attend evangelical churches. 81% think they do. But then again, when you measure it for uh, belief and behavior, it was only 21%. Um, and real quick, the, to the, you used the word hope. We've done other surveys with George Barna. He did a survey at the, really just the end of last year, so just a couple of weeks ago, on millennial, the millennial generation. And that was one of the big questions he asked. Um, do they feel uh, optimistic about their life, about the trajectory they're on? And overwhelmingly, I don't have this, the report in front of me right now, 
is that people are discouraged and uh, are not optimistic. They're actually pessimistic about their life, about the trajectory of their life, about their prospects. And it's interesting, the least church generation finds itself the most uh, pessimistic about where, uh, where they're going and if they have meaning in life. Well, I guess, you know, it really isn't a surprise when you see all the things that are going on, right? I mean, there's been reports coming out, right? Fentanyl overdoses have become the number one cause of death for Americans from 18 to 45, kind of fitting in that age range that you're talking about. But, you know, it's, it's interesting, right? Jesus wins the war. He's already won mm. the war, right? He gives us the roadmap to navigate this world, right, to the road to our salvation, and you know, we tend to ignore it. And if to have a biblical worldview, you actually have to know the Bible, right? St. Jerome says <laughs> scripture is ignorance of Christ. How do you know somebody that you don't read about and understand how much he loves us, right? Oh, that, that Deacon, that's so well said. And, um, you know, what, what's today at January uh, 3rd, when we're, we're recording this first week of January, uh, a lot of people are making New Year's resolutions. And uh, one of the things that FRC just started uh, a couple days ago was our Read Through the Bible in Two-Year Plan. Uh, I'd invite anyone that wants to even just look at the plan at frc.org slash Bible. And uh, that absolutely, the, the quote from Jerome you gave is just so helpful. Uh, but that, that's our conviction, uh, that fundamental as Christians is the Word of God. Uh, God's Word, and I, you know, I used to teach Sunday school when I was in seminary. And I often said, you know, God wasn't obligated to give us his word, but he did. And what, what a gracious gift that is, that we can read his word that was inspired by the Holy Spirit. We can learn about who God is. We can learn about who we are. We can learn about the plan of salvation. And, you know, there's millions of Christians around the world uh, that would give almost anything to have a copy of the scriptures in their language that they could read. And here in America, we are just so blessed. You, know, you can go on you know, BibleGateway.com and read 15 different translations in English. And yet, unfortunately, the most of Americans do not read the Bible daily. Uh, but that has to be our source, God's Word. Well, and you know, you mentioned Bible in two years, right? There's Father Mike Schmitz through Ascension Press is doing the Bible in a year, where every day he mm-hmm. says he reads the Bible he, and he reads Scripture and then interprets and talks about it. And at the end of the year, he would have heard the whole, the whole Bible. And it really is, I mean, to ignore that is to our own detriment. And we, you know, it just goes to show that people don't understand the Bible is the greatest love story of all time, but it's Hmm. God loving us, not us loving him. It's us running away. And that's what we continue to do today. (laughs) Well, that that is so true. Um, I think when you just said that, I'm thinking about Ephesians 2 that says we were dead in our trespasses and sins in which we once walked. I read later on, though, in the book of Ephesians, it says, but God uh, loved us. God pursued us. He sent his son. You know, at Christmas, I got to do a devotional for my family. I made a big deal about, you know, God loves us so much that the second person of the Trinity stepped down out of heaven, became incarnate, put on flesh, lived a perfect life for us, went to the cross, died, rose again, and ascended to the Father. You're right. It's the greatest love story of all time. And uh, those of us who are blessed uh, to have the freedoms we do in this country, my goodness, we're not we're not persecuted. Uh, well, there are persecutions, obviously, but the same persecutions that our brothers and sisters around the world, that's not a part of our everyday experience. And so we are blessed uh, still in this country, and uh, we need to take advantage of that. You know, it really is. It, it is a reminder, that, you know, 
every there is hope, right? We there is an extra, and, it, and that hope comes from our faith in Jesus Christ, our love for Jesus Christ. But we have to make sure that we don't let all these things that are going on, right? We have the suppression of of the truth, right? We see uh, Dr. Peter McCullough, Dr. Robert Malone talking about something as simple in the scheme of things as COVID. You can't even have a dialogue with people who don't agree that this is the worst thing in the world. The world's coming to an end. Wear a mask, get a shot, and shut up. Well, no, that's true. And even over the weekend, I know, uh, you know, she's pretty controversial. But Marjorie Taylor Greene, I don't agree with everything she believes. But I know she was thrown off Twitter for sharing some statistics. And I, I think, you know, other doctors that you just mentioned. And so, you know, you're right. Um, there, there's an active movement, uh, not just to suppress biblical truth, which has, you know, been ongoing for uh, several years at this point. But no, there, there is this kind of undermining of truth. And I think that's dangerous, Deacon, because that, what does that do ultimately? That really undermines people's confidence in our institutions. You know, I, I know a lot of people now that don't trust the CDC. They don't trust the FDA because they've gone back and forth on so many different issues, even related to COVID-19. And, you know, as Christians, we're, we're, we're to be people of truth. Uh, we want all true, you know, truth to go forward. And where we are right now in our culture with, you know, you know, big tech and social media, you know, suppressing just viewpoints they don't like, that, that is pretty dangerous. Well, right, the Gospel of John, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. So when we deny truth, right, when we don't defend truth, what we're really doing is denying Jesus and not defending Jesus when we allow these mistruths to take place and to do nothing about it. No, I agree with you. I, I absolutely, and I think that's why as Christians, uh, we should be people of truth. You, I mean, we started our, our segment here on your show talking about, I think I mentioned Christian sexual ethics. And, you know, of course, the Christians haven't been always perfect on that issue in our tone and our demeanor. But ultimately, we speak the truth in love. Uh, that That is what, you know, there's a lot of things that should distinguish those of us who follow Jesus. Uh, but right there at the top needs to be the weird people who speak the truth in love. Uh, whatever we're talking about, we need to d- endeavor to be truthful and, and be loving. You know, see other people uh, not inherently as someone that's out to get us, but as someone who's made in God's image. But yeah, I think that Ephesians 4 uh, dictum about pursuing truth and love needs to absolutely be a, a, something that marks us as Christians. And I would encourage those of us who are those that are listening to us right now, you know, a lot of people make New Year's resolutions. That's a great New Year's resolution. Be someone who speaks the truth and love this year in 2022. You know, if you look at everybody as a soul that needs to be saved and not Hmm. from the rhetoric that's coming out of their mouth because they're poisoned from the lies of the evil one or whatever, it does change our mentality, right? When we see see somebody, we want them to get to heaven. We want them to know Jesus Christ. And if we go in with that attitude, even though it's not going to be easy and we're going to be called names, right, and being haters and whatever, we know the mission out is set before us. And there's been apostles that have done it. And there's been, you know, St. John the Baptist, right, defending marriage to, and mm-hmm. got headed for it. We, it doesn't matter the outcome. It matters how are we living our lives sharing Jesus Christ, because that's how we're going to be judged. No, it absolutely is. And I think that that is so important um, that just even the biblical examples uh, that you just gave, Deacon, that those are so significant. Uh, the example you gave of John the Baptist, you're right, he, he was 
uh, ultimately handed over and uh, locked up and executed because of his view on sexual ethics. He dared to speak truth to power. And uh, that's something that, uh, you know, I think especially uh, um, Protestants, uh, that's my tradition, Southern Baptist, we don't know our church history as well as some of our Catholic brothers and sisters. Um, when, when I went to seminary, one of the, the classes I most enjoyed was actually the church history uh, classes, uh, because we realized, you know, uh, maybe some of the situations and circumstances in our own time are, are different than what people in past generations have gone through, but there's a lot of similarity, uh, and I think we can learn and take, you know, be fortified uh, by seeing what brothers and sisters have gone through uh, throughout the ages, and that, 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 again, like I said, that can be fortifying. Well, and it really, you know, perfect love casts out all fear, right? When we're afraid to go into this world to speak the truth, then we are really minimizing our love for Jesus Christ because he asks us, right, go out to all the world and share the good news. He's the good Mm -hmm. news. And is there any, I mean, you know, obviously, as you mentioned, right, there's been times in history, throughout history, right, it's been rough. I mean, to be a, a Christian in Rome would not be on top of a lot of people's lists, but because of what they did, they converted the Roman Empire. Oh, absolutely. Um, It's amazing. You know, my daily quiet time, pretty recently I was reading the book of John, um, and that upper room discourse, uh, John 15, John 16, John 17, you know, Jesus looks at his disciples and says, as they persecuted me, they're going to persecute you. Uh, but take heart, I have overcome the world. And what do you see in that first generation of Christians after Christ's ascension? Is you see bold proclamation, you see the church spreading like rapid, uh, rapid fire. And you're absolutely right. They they went into the synagogues, they went into the, the before the magistrates, and they were bold as lions. And they turned their world upside down. And uh, that 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 same boldness ought to characterize those of us today in this year, 2022. And I am encouraged. Let me just say this, Deacon. I am encouraged since we launched the Center for Biblical Worldview. I've had the uh, real joy of actually getting to travel around the country, probably seven or eight different states last year, uh, different conferences and whatnot, where I'm networking with pastors and church leaders, Catholic, Protestant. And you really are seeing, I think, we're at a turning point. I think covid with the lockdowns and the mandates and government overstepping its authority, I was, I've been so encouraged in the last several months seeing pastors and churches saying, you know what, enough is enough. We're not going to let the government dictate to us what we can and cannot do when it comes to running our services and uh, shepherding and discipling our people. And especially with this whole woke movement, uh, I think you've seen a lot of people saying enough is enough. And so I have to be honest with you, I am inherently, uh, I think I'm inherently an optimist. But I really am optimistic moving into this next year. Um, obviously, it's a it's a midterm year politically. But even putting that aside, I'm optimistic uh, that we have Christian leaders all over this country that are rising up and are going to be uh, as bold as lions as they defend the truth and spread the gospel. Well, and right, we've been told to met you know not only that right that we are you know sheep we are sheep in wolves' clothing right. You're going to be sent out among wolves. I mean, we hear all those things. The Lord warns us we should never be surprised, but we should do it, I think, as you mentioned before, right, with love and with joy. Mm-hmm. Wants, nobody's going to come to Christ if we go out there like Eeyore. <laughs> True. No, you're, so you're I, absolutely like, right. 
Yeah, and what you guys are doing are great. What are some of the what are some of the things people can get if they go? Well, talk about your website again, but what are some of the resources that you guys have available for people? Because it really is important to have this positive, joyful attitude if we're going to change things. Yeah, no, well, well said, Deacon. I, I I like to think of myself as a joyful warrior uh, for the Lord. Um, but you're right. So, so since May, when we launched our Center for Biblical Worldview, we, we did launch a webpage. You can find it at frc.org uh, slash worldview. And uh, we have uh, a bunch of resources now. There's a lot of videos um, with me and some of our other fellows talking about different issues related to COVID or abortion, uh, the Dobbs case, uh, different, different things that have been in the news in the last several months. Uh, but we also published a series of booklets that you can read for free. Um, we have uh, biblical principles for pro-life engagement, biblical principles for religious liberty, biblical principles for political engagement. And then the biggest booklet is about, oh goodness, 13,000 words on what does the Bible teach on marriage and human sexuality. Uh, those now exist in Spanish uh, and English, um, and we have prayer guides on there for people to pray through. Um, so we're, those are the resources we have now. Stay tuned. In the coming months, we're going to be adding a Sunday school curriculum. Uh, we're going to be adding another uh, tool uh, that will show uh, viewers uh, how Christian they think, or how Christian every Christian college in America actually is, because a lot of the you know negative things we see are actually happening in uh, in, in the academy, uh, specifically schools that still claim to be Christian but they're not. And so a lot of the resources, in short, Deacon, are resources to help pastors and Christian parents uh, disciple the people in their care well. Well, I think that's really important. And there's, uh, for the Catholic universities, there's something called the Newman Guide. And it's sad, maybe 10% of the Catholic colleges are actually faithful to to the magisterium, to the teachings of Jesus Christ. There's a lot of Catholic churches have gone off the rails, and I think those tend to be the most dangerous when you go into a place that you think is faithful, no matter what denomination, and they pervert the teachings of the church. I think that is more dangerous than to go to a secular place where you don't even go in with that kind of thought. No, I agree with you um, absolutely, because uh, you and that one of the re- and so you mentioned the Newman Guide that we know Catholic. Uh, parents and parishes use. Uh, we we are kind of inspired by that actually to do something uh, for evangelicals and Protestants because there's hundreds of evangelical schools around the country, and uh, we, th- so the Newman Guide is kind of a guide for us, you could say. Uh, but the reason we're launching this program is because we uh, it was so heartbreaking, Deacon, uh, to hear grandparents call FRC and say, you know, <clears throat> we help pay the tuition for our grandson, and you know Johnny went to this school. And four years later, he came back, and he's not just liberal politically, but he doesn't even claim to be a Christian anymore. What happened? We sent him to, you know, a, a, what we thought was an established Christian school. And so those, you know, there's just so many schools. I don't want to. We haven't done the. We haven't run the data yet, so I don't want to throw any schools under the bus. I have an idea of some schools that I don't think are going to do well. I want to, but you know, do, run the data first. Uh, but I think that what you just said is key. It, you know. I went to a secular university, and I had no misgivings uh, that I was going to get a liberal education. Um, I got really involved in the campus ministries uh, when I was in college years ago. Uh, but, you know, we need to hold these Christian schools accountable. If they're going to claim the name of Christ, and they're not going to actually impart a biblical worldview, they need to be held accountable. 
Well, and I think what you're doing, again, is so important because the resources really need to remind all of us the things you have out there that we as parents are the primary teachers of our children. We as parents need to have a stable, loving environment that loves Jesus because we're not modeling for our kids and we're expecting the world to do it, then we're going to get exactly what we're getting right now. Perfectly said there. Um, One of the phrases that I've been using frequently is when I talk to parent groups is that parents, you need to realize that you are the chief disciple makers in your home. And, you know, that's not my good idea or someone else's good idea. That's God's idea. Uh, Deuteronomy chapter six, you know, this is, you know, (laughs) thousands of years ago with Moses, you know, what did he, Moses tells the Jewish parents that you should teach the laws and the commandments uh, to your children. You should pass them on when you rise up, when you sit down, you're walking along the way. It's a parent's responsibility and, you know, we can debate whether what that means, public school, private school, homeschool. But at the very least, something we should all be able to agree on is that ultimately it's a parent's responsibility uh, to disciple their child. And given, a, you know, whatever the context may be for that parent, that they might make different decisions given on their context. But that, that guiding principle that it's a parent's responsibility, uh, that has to be embedded deeply into the conscience of every single parent. Well, I can just imagine, right, at our judgment, the Lord says, I gave you these children as a gift. They were a gift mm. to me, and they don't even know who I am, right? Let's talk about abdicating a responsibility and say, well, I was expecting that, that, that Christian college to do it or the school or, yeah. you know, the neighbors. I mean, we're, we're going to be in the crosshairs. And I think if people viewed their judgment based on how they lived their lives, it, they would change. Well, what you just said, I think, is key, and you're absolutely right. And I think that, you know, the church and the youth group uh, can come alongside and help parents, the Christian yep. school. If you if you send your kid to a Christian school, they can help. But it's ultimately the parent's job. Um, and youth pastors, I get to I, – I was my background is in youth ministry, and thankfully we, we, we understood when I did youth ministry, you know, we can come alongside the parent, but we only get them one or two hours a week. The parent gets them for dozens of hours. And so the parents can't abdicate that responsibility. Well, again, I think it's so important what you do. And the reminder is, look, we can't bury our head in the sand like an ostrich and pretend everything's fine, right? We do have to fight to defend truth. We want the world to be a better place for our kids. Can you remind people of your website one more time? Yeah, absolutely. They can find all the resources and probably others that I've forgotten to mention at frc.org forward slash worldview, frc.org slash worldview. Respect Life Radio is produced by Catholic Charities in the Archdiocese of Denver. And remember, you can listen to all of our shows at respectliferadio.com.